At Windsor Road, this month we are in an Advent series as we prepare for Christmas, and we are looking at scriptures, Advent scriptures that involve Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so uh, this morning we're going to be looking at a song that Mary sang, um, and, uh, and the theme has to do with humility, humility. Um, Chan Gailey, Chan Gailey is the head coach of the NFL's uh, Buffalo Bills, and he tells a good story that happened to him about humility. Uh, Years ago, before he coached in the NFL, he coached for Troy State University in Alabama, which uh, was a Division II school. And that particular year, it was a fantastic season. They were headed toward the national championships. And so the week before the big game, he was heading out to the practice field. His secretary called him back uh, because someone was on the line for him. He said, well, take a message. He was a little irritated. Take a message because I'm going to practice. This is the big game this week. And the secretary said, but it's Sports Illustrated. And so he said, I'll take it. So he goes back to the office. And on his way back to the office, he begins fantasizing about what this interview is going to be like. And um, he thinks to himself, my goodness, this is going to be such good public relations for Troy State. And this story is so good. Surely they're not going to be able to fit it all into a three-page article. Perhaps I'll be on the front cover. I wonder if they're going to have an action shot or if I'm going to pose. What's that going to be like? So he gets back to the office and and he grabs the phone and uh, he says, hello, is this Chan Gailey? Yes, it is. Oh, wonderful. This is Sports Illustrated. Ah, fantastic. I'm so glad you called. Mr. Gailey, We called to let you know that your subscription is about to expire. Would you like to renew? True story. Chan Gailey says, Chan Gailey says, the point of that story is you either be humble or be humbled. (laughs) Be humble or be humbled. And that's really the message of the Advent reading that you heard earlier from Jeremy. Be humble or be humbled. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's a verse that appears also in 1 Peter chapter 5, James Chapter 4, God opposes the proud. Christmas did not come to the proud. It did not come to the arrogant. It did not come to the self-sufficient. Christmas came to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I want you to see how this plays out in today's scripture reading from Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 39 to 56. 
Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. You'll find that on page 724 of your church Bibles. And these verses contain a song that Mary sang, a song that's called the Magnificat. The Magnificat. Now, what is that word, Magnificat? Well, it's a Latin word. While the New Testament comes to us by way of the Greek language, the New Testament came to us during the Roman Empire, and Latin was also spoken in the Roman Empire. And so translations of the New Testament also sprang about in Latin. And the Magnificat is a Latin word. It's the first word of Mary's song. That's why it's called the Magnificat. My soul glorifies. My soul magnificates. My soul magnifies. And as we look at these verses this morning, I want you to see, we're going to see why Mary sang this song. What's the reason? What's the occasion? What's the setting for the Magnificat, Mary's song? That's the first question that we're going to answer. And then the second question that we're going to answer is, what's the point of the song? What's the message in the lyrics of this song? And then thirdly, what's the challenge for us? What, what song does God want us to be singing as we respond to Mary's song? Your soul is glorifying someone or something today, here and now. And so these verses challenge us about who or what it is we are glorifying. So, so let's look at the, at the reason for the song, the content of the song, and the challenge of the song. Well, let's first answer that question. What's the reason for the song? Why did Mary sing this song? Here's why Mary sang this song. Mary sang this song because someone important in her life said to her, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. That's, that's why she sang that song. Um, Mary had received this amazing visit from the angel Gabriel telling her, a teenager, that she would be the mother of Israel's long-awaited Messiah. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Gabriel goes on to tell her how she will be with child, and that child will be great. His kingdom will never end. You will name him Jesus. Jesus means the Lord saves. And, and Mary's going, how can this be? I've never been with a man. Gabriel says, you don't need a man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of God will overshadow you, and so the child will be holy. And then Gabriel informed Mary that her relative Elizabeth, who is beyond childbearing age, is even in her sixth month. And then Gabriel says, for nothing is impossible with God. Uh, no word of God is feeble, Gabriel says. And so Mary Mary receives this word, and, and in verse 39, 
she packs up and she hurries to, the scripture says, a town. We don't know the name of that town. A town in the hill country of Judea. Now that's important because Mary, while we don't know the name of the town, we know where Judea is from Nazareth. And so Mary's got to walk anywhere between 40 to 80 miles on foot. And she's a teenager. My goodness, how many days did it take her? What? Uh, and, and we're not talking about uh, flat Illinois farmland. We're talking about hilly, winding roads. And three days, six days, she takes a, a, a trip to go see her relative, Elizabeth. And, and, you know, we don't know what was in her mind as she was journeying to see her relative Elizabeth. Uh, I know what would have been in my mind. An angel? The Messiah? Virgin birth? I'm crazy. I'm going back home. No, no, wait a minute. No. Elizabeth will be able to either affirm this or, or tell me I'm crazy. I just, no, I'm going. I've got to find out. And so she goes and she heads. And the Bible says that when she entered into the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth. She steps, in, she steps into the doorway and Elizabeth hears Mary's voice before seeing Mary's face. And she enters into the doorway and you know, she greets, you know, you know, hello, shalom, anybody home? You know? and, and the Bible says that, that when Elizabeth heard her voice, she who was in her sixth month, the, the baby, like John the Baptist just leaps in her womb. John the Baptist starts doing cartwheels in her womb. And I've been waiting all week to say that. And, <laughs> and the scripture says that she was, that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't know how many times I've read this but I just passed over it. Verse 42 says, in a loud voice. In a loud voice. What would that have sounded like? <laughs> you know? Oh. Mary, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. And Elizabeth affirmed and confirmed and celebrated what God was doing in her life. And Mary humbly submitted to Elizabeth's spirit-led, spirit-filled, affirming, confirming, and celebratory words of blessing, a, a triple blessing upon this woman's life, you see. Now let's just stop right here because I think there's an important lesson in these first few verses for us today. And it's this. God may be calling some of you toward a decision, toward a vocation, toward a ministry, toward an activity, toward work, and it may involve 
Life in the church family, it may involve life outside the church family. God may be calling you to a vocation. And if that's the case, you would be wise if you submitted that calling to the evaluation of another spirit-led, spirit-filled, wise, mature believer who will encourage you, affirm you, challenge you, question you, you see? Another believer who will say, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Or on the other hand, a believer who will look you in the eye and say, yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. (laughs) Charles Spurgeon was a pastor in the 19th century and pastored a famous church in England. He preached to thousands. Someone came up to him once and said, Brother Spurgeon, God has told me to preach in your pulpit next Sunday. Spurgeon looked at him and said, No, he didn't. Because if he had, he would have told me. That's good. We need to remember that. Sometimes people throw that God told me trump card on the table. We need to listen to Mary's story and Elizabeth. We need to be having people in our life who will either affirm, who will, who will say, yes, that's the Spirit speaking, or people who will say, no, that's the salsa speaking that you had last night. You don't need prayer. You need some Pepto-Bismol, okay? Really? And Elizabeth affirms what's going on in Mary's life. And, and see, she herself is acting in humility, right? Because she says, she knows who that baby is. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, my Lord, see, that baby is the Messiah, God in the flesh. She knows who that baby is. And so she's not envious of Mary's child, even though she's, it's not going to be like, well, your child may be this, but my child's that. There's none of that going on. There's no ministry envy happening here because they're both servants. They're both called by God to whatever it is God wants them to do. And so she can celebrate in what's happening there. She doesn't have to be jealous. She begins to say in these verses to Mary, what her son John the Baptist will in fact say to Mary's son Jesus in John chapter 3 verse 30. John says of Jesus, he must become greater and I must become lesser. Why? God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And it's from that affirming that Mary sings this song. And what's the point of the song? Question number two. The point of the song is God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's that's the song. And, And Mary's song 
is in two parts. In verses 46 to 49, Mary talks a little bit about herself. And then in verses 50 to 55, Mary talks a lot about God. Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So Mary is humble enough to know that she needs to be delivered too. She needs to be saved as well. And she recognizes and acknowledges that God has been mindful of her. Verse 48. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. So expressing humility is not about expressing false humility. Mary doesn't go, oh, shucks, it weren't nothing. She doesn't do that. She recognizes that what God is doing in her life is real and it's true. And uh, she is the recipient of unmerited grace. And that's why she then says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And it's not because she is bearing the Messiah in and of itself. That's not why she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why does she say that? She says that because she has heard the word of God and she's acting on the word of God like a servant. She says, all generations will call me blessed because Because may it be to me as you have said. That's been her life. But that's not just true of her. It's true of all who say, may it be to me as you have said. It's true of all who say, I am the Lord's servant. It's true of all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So it's not just for her. It's for all. His mercy extends, verse 50, to those who fear him from generation to generation. And here's where she speaks and gushes about the Lord's power and the Lord's strength. And I want you to see that from verses 50 to 55, God is the subject of every verb. His mercy extends. He has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered those who are proud. Verse 52, he has brought down the rulers. He has lifted up the humble. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He is remembered to be merciful, even as he said to our fathers. God has kept his promise, long promises of old. God is kept. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That's the point of Mary's song. Mary, this humble woman of God. But look up here for a minute. Please know, Mary may be humble, but she's not feeble. Mary may be meek, but she's not weak or frail. And Mary's song is not a sentimental, sappy church song to be tucked away in a hymnal. No, no. This is a war song 
This is a battle song. This is a subversive song. Did you know that in the 1980s in the country of Guatemala, this song, it was illegal to publicly recite this song in Guatemala in the 1980s because it was counted too politically subversive. Well, it is subversive. This song is saying in no uncertain terms that God will not tolerate the proud or the arrogant for long and that he is going to step in. And when he steps in, the tables are going to be turned. The world is going to be turned upside down. And specifically, the arrogant tyrant here was Herod, who was a puppet king of the Roman Empire, who was so paranoid about power and ruthless toward his own people that he assassinated members of his own family just to keep the throne. He was arrogant and proud. And this song was a song against his kind of arrogance. And he was so paranoid about his power that in Matthew chapter 2, he ordered troops into the town of Bethlehem to slaughter the baby boys two and under. He was afraid might be contenders to his throne. It was a massacre. Well, how would he respond to this song? And yet Mary sings it. She's got this gritty faith because she trusts in God who is the divine warrior in these verses. He is the one who is invading. He is the one who is bringing down the rulers. He is the one who is helping his servant Israel. God is the one doing the work. And so a humble person just just trusts and steps back and God steps in and does what we cannot do ourselves. And this needs to inform us about how we understand passages of the Old Testament uh, and heroes like David. So when I'm reading the story of David and Goliath, listen, if you read the story of David and Goliath and then you think to yourself, well, how can I be more like David and you know, those five stones. Listen, in the story of David and Goliath, you're not David. You're not. Really? Well, who am I then? Well, I'll tell you who we are. We are the cowardly Israelites on the sidelines, too scared to take the field to hand this huge, giant Goliath. That's who we are. But what God does is, He sends a substitute for us. A substitute who in the world's eyes happens to be weak and frail. And that substitute who appears to the world to be weak and frail fells the giant in one swing. That's what God does for us. And that's what Mary is saying. And and, and please understand, these subversive lyrics, the point of these lyrics is not that God is going to overthrow these rogues. 
and then replace them with other rogues. That's not the point. It, it's, the point of this song is not it, that it's the rich versus the poor. That's how the world would like to see it. According to these verses, it's the rich versus God and the poor versus God. Because there are righteous rich and unrighteous rich. There are righteous poor and unrighteous poor. And it's us versus God. That's who it is. And God utterly opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Mary, Mary was fiery enough to sing this song. She's a wiry, spirited, resolved, bold, gutsy young lady. It's not enough to simply call her Mary the Blessed Virgin. She is Mary the brave heart. The brave heart, that's who she is. And that's her song. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That leads us to the challenge. The challenge. What's my song? Who's my soul magnifying? See, your soul magnif- is magnifying something or someone today, right here, right now. Well, what is that? And, and, and by the way, you may be thinking, now Randy, let me get this straight. Are you saying that, you know, when Mary heard what she heard from Elizabeth, that she actually, truly, literally broke out in song, that she sang right there in her living room? Well, maybe, maybe, but probably, I mean, and here's what I think is going on. Luke is writing for someone named Theophilus, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We learn that there. Theophilus means lover of God or friend of God. And he's writing an orderly account based on eyewitness testimony. So he would have talked with Mary. Luke is also using rhetoric here, and one of the features of ancient rhetoric is that at key points in the story, when something important needs to be emphasized, the narrative just slows down and a song breaks out, kind of like a Broadway musical. Luke wants to slow the pace of the narrative and slow the story down and really have us think about what's going on here. So as in a Broadway musical, it's as if Mary, having greeted Elizabeth, then turns to the audience, to Theophilus, to you and me, and she begins singing to us. And in fact, her song invites us to join her. Don't you realize what God is doing here? She sings, are you willing to join me in this song? So it's, it's not just Mary's song. It's an invitation to a sing-along. What song are you singing? Right now, you're singing some song. What is it? Who is it? Are you a God magnifier or a self-magnifier? Which is it? What strongholds? What str- you know, we, it's easy for us to want to talk about the Herods, the evil Herods. But let's talk about the Herods of our hearts. Verse 51. People have the feeling that this organization or this business or this church ought to be lucky to have me and my gifts and what I've done for God. Humble people say this. 
I don't deserve any of this, and the only thing I have to offer God is my life as a vessel for the life of Jesus to flow through me. Proud people are all about self-advancement. Humble people want to advance others. Proud people feel confident in how much they know, and humble people are broken by how much they have to learn. That's what I mean. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whenever you magnify you, your world shrinks to the size of you. But when you magnify God and his glory and his grace and his power, and when you see how holy and wonderful he is, how big he is, how great he is, then your world changes and your world enlarges. Everything gets put in a different perspective when we magnify God. Problems just look different. Fears get smaller. Worries get smaller. When there's this really great, big, awesome, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God, then even death becomes small. So the question is, are you really a Theophilus? Are you really a lover of God? Are you? Then this is an invitation to celebrate. And there's no accident that in the nativity scriptures of Luke chapters 1 through 3, there's four songs, four invitations. Mary's song, Zechariah's song, the angel's song, Simeon's song. Four times we're invited to affirm what God is up to in this servant's life and in our lives. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's Mary's song, and it needs to be ours as well. You know, later on in the Gospels, in Jesus' ministry, he would say something to his disciples. He would say this. He would say, with God, all things are possible. Now, where did he get that? Where did he get that? I wonder. I wonder if he got it from his mother. I wonder if, while he was growing up, I wonder if Mary told Jesus how the angel came to her and said that she was gonna have a child and how she said, this can't be, it's impossible, I've never been with a man. And then Gabriel said, nothing is impossible with God. She, how many times did she say that to Jesus while he was growing up? Nothing is impossible to God. And then one day, while teaching, Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Where did he get that? Mom, mom, I'm singing our song. I'm singing our song. And then, and then in the Gospels later on, Jesus would feed 4,000 and then he would feed 5,000. And Luke chapter one, verse 53 says, he has filled the hungry with good things. Mother, I'm singing our song. I'm singing our song. And then another time in the Gospels, he would touch the untouchable, those with leprosy. This woman who had been diseased for 12 years and nobody would touch her. Mom, I'm singing our song. 
he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And then with blood streaming down his face before Pontius Pilate, who said to him, don't you know I have the power to put you to death? Jesus would tell Pilate, you have no power over me except that it would be given to you from above. Verse 52, he has brought down the rulers from their thrones. Mother, I'm singing our song. And then on the cross, the thief says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says to this thief, today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Verse 53, remembering to be merciful. Mother, mother, I'm singing our song. Am I ready to sing Mary's song? Everybody has a soul. Every soul magnifies something. And proud people magnify themselves. And humble people magnify the Lord. Who will you magnify? Let's pray.